Hey everybody, Don Kendrick here with some good news. The good news is that you're only going to hear good news here. I am a repurposed news reporter and I am finally doing the stories that have been burning in my heart for so long. They're stories that uplift, encourage, and inspire. And they are real and they're raw and they're vulnerable. They're the good stuff stories. And we see it over and over again that through it all, through the middle of our biggest challenges, together we can, together we will. Let's go see the good and be the good. On your market set, let's go. Hey, y'all, we are so looking forward to bringing you our God at Work series of stories over the next few months. We named them God at Work in honor of my mama, Marlene Kendrick, who passed away on February 23rd. Because if you knew our mama, you knew those words, God at Work. She was forever teaching us to see God in everything. So this series is for you all as much as it is for ourselves and reminding ourselves that we can, in fact, allow God to work through us by seeing the good in others and being the good for them. Welcome everyone to the Got It Work, the John O'Leary story. Super excited about this one. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, On Fire. He is endorsed by the likes of Brene Brown, Dave Ramsey, Joe Buck, and he is a top iTunes podcaster. He's a speaker to audiences around the world. And if we're being honest, he is a bit of a household name around here in St. Louis. And you know what, you guys, he's, he's a good dude. He's just a really good dude. And he shows the world by leading by example. And that's what we celebrate around here. Leading by example. He shows us how to live inspired. He shares his own vulnerable story of growing from victim into victor by continuing to take the next best step since nine years old, actually. Nine years old, that's when a fire almost killed him. And I'm going to tell you something. John and I, I believe, speak the same language in believing that God weaves and that he works through us. And we've watched him work through us and through others in ways we could never have scripted. And I believe that he and I are storytellers at heart. John's story, in fact, is full of a cast of beautiful characters, especially his family and his mom, and his dad, his awesome parents, who brought, along with God, brought the world John O'Leary to remind us that the best is yet to come. Hi, John. Well, this is the good dude. I've never had that job title before, but uh, what, a, what a great introduction, Don. It's great to be with you and your, uh, your viewers. I am so looking forward to this. And you know, maybe you could add that to your business card. I just good did. stuff, dude. It's just the first title dude. I'm actually proud of. That, so there it is. Oh. Good dude. <laughs> yeah. So I'm coming. We're both, uh, we grew up in St. Louis. We're both in St. Louis now. Give me kind of a window into your childhood growing up in St. Louis. I, I love a, the, the station wagon stories to Florida. Yeah. Your pick. Give me a window into your childhood. I think the, the best thing I can say about it is it was so ordinary that looking back on it, that's what makes it exceptional. I shockingly had a mom and a dad in the same house, a mother who occasionally would teach history class up at school, a father who was an attorney. I had five siblings, a couple of golden retrievers, 
lived in a safe community with four grandparents and awesome neighbors and strong church community and a great school and an older brother who made fun of me and sisters who uh, fought with one another and then loved one another. Vacations to Florida, the good life. I mean, we really had such a good life and none of us had ever been sick and none of us had ever wondered if we ever would be because we knew that life was easy and it was good and, and there was really nothing to worry about. Yeah. And we, what we both learned is that we don't take any of that for granted anymore. And so when Amy said, when Amy called and said, you know what, he could do this podcast. I seriously mouthed the words, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Like so grateful, so humble. I think that's one of your greatest characteristics. Here's this man who has inspired millions and, and, you know, I went and got this book from the library. I don't even have license on my car, license plates from Missouri on my car yet, because I just moved. I get this book. I have a library card because I got this book and I couldn't take notes fast enough and post-its weren't enough. I had to put index cards on there. But so when I tell you that it is such an honor, a blessing and a joy to have you join us, um, I can't even um, begin really to explain it in words. I'm just grateful. And I know that you celebrate gratitude as well. well um, just to play off that for a moment, those two characteristics, mm-hmm. humility and gratitude. Uh, I'm not exhibit A of it, but I, I, I long for it. And so I, I look in the mirror every day, Don, and I'm underwhelmed by what I see staring back at me. I'm, I'm broken physically and I make mistakes professionally and say the wrong things on podcasts and to my family all the time. But through grace, uh, the story has been used for good. And like that, that just blows my mind. And so then because of that, I'm so grateful for this life and for this work and for the chance at a new day. So the, the two words you use and the setup of that question, I love them. Humility and gratitude. Yeah. And you're speaking my language uh, because I had, I was getting, I was kickboxing to get in better shape years ago. And uh, I hired a trainer for six classes, by the way, there's a sixth one still out there because on the fifth one, if anyone wants to cash in on that, uh, the fifth one, I was doing some sort of Mr. Miyagi skip, jump, leap, kick, way advanced for me. And I felt my right knee kind of snap. And I thought, huh, but I could still walk on it. Very odd. It turns out in the doctor's words, I had shredded my ACL. Shredded. That's not a word, you know, that you can kind of, it's pretty clear. So after I had that surgery and I was able to make my leg go around one full revolution at physical therapy on that bike. And I know, I know this is a tiny, tiny example of what you've been through, but you know, that's where patience, humility, gratitude was born. I said, dear God, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to be more humble and I'm going to be more grateful. And if you get plugged into just one of those words, the others are easier but what happened, well, again, I'm a repurposed news reporter because when the news director, the new news director didn't renew my contract, it was God saying, oh, I love that you've been telling everyone patience, humility, gratitude. God was like, I'm so proud of you. And then there was like a pause, John, like, oh, but can Prove you it. live it? Yes, totally. Can you live it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity by moving you right out of your own way it was painful. News reporter, humble. Are you on TV? No, not anymore. Patience for what he's working, something better and humble to know for starters, I don't have to wear makeup every day. So I uh, I love that you picked up on those words. You live them. I've, I've followed you. 
You are patience, humility, and gratitude. Well, I appreciate that. And the story of you learning how to move that leg and knee again, because that is that is a journey, one that everybody goes on to one extent or another. Not everybody physically, but you at some point will get burned. You'll some t- point shred an ACL or a relationship or financially or spiritually. And then how do you get back on and learn how to do that rotation? And that, that's part of the journey of life, advancing forward. And that's where we start your story uh, that that has brought you to where you are today. Nine years old, uh, you made a decision. It wasn't a good one. Start uh, start us there in the garage. I mean, what kids don't? Kids were forever making decisions that we wish we wouldn't have. But for you, it has literally allowed you to inspire millions. So would you start us there, John, in in the garage? Uh, You're nine years old. Yeah. So uh, the week before I witnessed children in my neighborhood, like 11 year olds playing with fire and gasoline, which to some of your listeners is just, well, what are they doing? They're crazy. But to many of your listeners, it's kind of like little boys being reckless. And that's how we grow up. We climb too high. We jump too far. We do things we should not and usually learn from those mistakes. Well, I'm about to get a huge wake up call, a massive lesson. My parents were both gone. The house was mined on. Walked into the garage, bent over a can of gasoline, tried to pour a little bit of gasoline on top of this little piece of cardboard I'd lit on fire. And before the liquid even came out, the fumes inhaled my flame into this can, creating a massive explosion, splitting the can in two, picking the child up and launching him 20 feet against the far side of the garage. And uh, to make a pretty long, painful story far shorter, I find myself on the far side, scared out of my mind. I take off running on fire through the flames, eventually make it into the house, stand on top of a rug, just begging for a hero, praying for a savior. You know, I'm nine, I'm on fire. I don't know how to fix myself. And so I'm praying for a savior. And I see my brother, Jim, coming toward me. He was 17, I'm nine. And I remember as he's coming toward me thinking, God, anybody else. Not this dude, man. He's my older brother. He can't do it. And yet what he proved, and I think what most of our lives prove out if we give it time, is God can use anybody. The the most broken among us can be used for good if you say yes. So, uh, Amen. Jim, I mean, it's just true. I'm not trying to be preachy here. It's just true. That is Jim's day to be used. He picks up a little rug. He uh, swings down into the flames a couple times. But then he burns himself. You can imagine the flames are leaping three feet. So he burns himself. What he does naturally is he drops the rug. And if our life is about us, that's what we all would do. Yeah. But what if it's not? You know, you won't find this on the evening news on CNN or Fox or MSNBC. I want to make sure I offend all of your listeners. (laughs) But what if life's actually not about Biden getting reelected or Trump getting elected or whoever the next party might like? what, What if it's about being used for good? Amen. Jim, what he does is he comes back into the fight, picks up that rug, swings down a third time, fourth time, fifth time, burning himself every single swing, but it's not about him, runs outside with me eventually, throws me on the grass, jumps on top of me, saves my life, goes back into a burning house, calls 911, chases my two sisters outside, brings the dog outside. 1987, to put a bow on the story, The lifesaver of the year for the state of Missouri was not a veteran or a first responder or a police officer or a construction worker. 
but a 17-year-old pimple-faced jerk older brother who was used for good. So uh, my brother Jim is my hero as a nine-year-old, but even today as a 46-year-old. And I love that you say that over and over, that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. That is a perfect case in point for your mama, your mama, who I love. I feel like I know her. Uh, she has risen up for you in ways that were, um, at first, you said, oh, I can't even believe my mama has, is saying these things. And then to come to realize that she was like, she and your dad were your people. They were your persons, you know? And so here, if I could put this picture up, this is what happened uh, after that incident that you just described. This is John O'Leary, nine years old, uh, burned over 100%, they said 100% of the, your body yes. and not expected to live. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hundred percent burn is the, the, the math. 87% was third degree and there is no path forward. Like there's just, there had previously been no patients that had survived something like that. So it's going to require a miracle. And yet, you know, the picture you, you just put up like that, you're, the little bandages are covering up the devastation. That's not only on the left arm and left hand, but the entire body looks like that. It's just mm. gone. It's charred. Mm -hmm. It's done. Mm -hmm. And yet you, you mentioned my mom and she's one of the great warriors of the story. I had a lot, some who were, were paid to go in as janitors or, or a therapist or nurses, others who uh, just did it because it's their job as parents or grandparents or siblings. But one of my best leaders and examples is my mom. The day I came into the emergency room, because the picture you had up was 50 days into healing. That's, that's Is that right? That's two months, man, of looking better. So th this thing was really difficult, obviously. Uh, I look up to her petrified and scared. And I say to her, mama, am I going to die? Yeah. And she looks back at me. And this is her baby boy. And she says, honey, do you want to? It's your choice. It's, it's not mine. And uh, I looked up kind of surprised and taken aback. And I said, Mama, yeah, I want to survive. I don't want to die. And her response, and it's wisdom not only for a nine-year-old, but for you and me today and all of our listeners. She says, baby, then look at me. Take the hand of God. Walk the journey with him. And you fight like you never fought before. She said, your father and I will be with you. We're not going anywhere. But do your part. Fight. And on that first day, in the first minutes in the emergency room, a nine-year-old boy with no clothes on and no skin on made a covenant to fight. And I had no idea back then, Don, that it would be five and a half months in hospital and skin grafts, never heard of that, amputations, never imagined that, bandage changes and uh, some massive struggles. But we knew the fight was on. In that surgery, they had to amputate my fingers and... Uh, for any of us, obviously, that's a difficult thing to hear. But for a future starting shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, it was intolerable because I knew that that meant I would never, never play baseball, never go back to school, never hold a pen, never hold a girl's hands, never achieve anything in life. And so I, I realized for the first time that all these things they were putting me through and all these things I was enduring was a waste of time. It's like, what's the point of any of this if I can never do anything with my life? That's how I felt. And um, it the, the tears ultimately ended with my awesome dad just kind of coming in and just holding me in that bed as a little boy and enveloping me with grace and love. And 
it didn't grow my fingers back. It didn't take away the pain, but it began the healing. I think love does. I think we underrate the power of, of love and proximity to elevate the life of somebody else. But you mentioned that you, you believed you would never hold the hand of a girl. So I'm going to just put my notes aside for now and do a huge spoiler alert because other than your mama, Susan, your beautiful heart and soul wife, Beth, uh, you did clearly spoiler alert, hold the hand of a girl and are, are, have beautiful kids of your own. Tell me about that defining moment as your parents are sitting at that wedding, that God inspired moment. Well, there's so much to it. I mean, I think the most surprising thing is uh, near the end of this, the church service, my mother, without me knowing it, this is totally Susan O'Leary. So uh, this, this is right up her alley, decides to walk up and speak to uh, the congregation, the church gathered that we had about 450 people invited to this wedding. And uh, my mom just said, John, we, your dad and I wondered for a long time, what would become of your life. And one of the things we did is we prayed that some girl would say, see the same beauty and you that we did. That was our mm. prayer all these years ago. We wow. prayed that some little girl would see the same beauty in you that we saw wow. so clearly. So for decades, we have been praying for this person. We just didn't know yet who she was. And then she looked at Beth and she said, and we didn't know how beautiful she was. And so that, that's, that's part of this service. But, you know, in my wedding party, it's my brother, Jim, is my best man. He's the one who put out the fire. Yeah. It's my sister's on the other side of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans. I know we crossed <laughs> over that day. <laughs> had the other side of the aisle representing, too. And the girls are over there. And these are the ones who are with me in the front yard. And they're the ones who helped dress me when I came home from the hospital. And they're the ones who loved me afterwards. And so it, mm. it was a community effort. What what. What allows me to continually get on the next plane and say yes to the next podcast is how little I did by myself. If I was traveling the world or sitting back being interviewed on how terrific I was, I would put myself to sleep, both literally and figuratively. Like this, this would be the end of my journey if it was always about me. What humbles me, grounds me, and then animates me is how little I did by myself and how terrific this community has been in our life and how terrific it continues to be. So yeah, the church service was a culmination, but ultimately not celebrating how great John is. Again, it celebrated how great they are and how mighty our God is and how miracles still happen for those who have eyes to see them. I know both of us are, we're hoping our story for his glory. And then to bring along the stories of these other people who you have interviewed, people who have found faith or yeah. have increased their faith for having gone through, let's just call it what it is, the really crappy stuff huh. and the good stuff that comes from it. So yeah. for you, you took, why me? A kid who you couldn't see, you couldn't move, you're strapped down. Of course, we're all asking as well, why him, God? But you turned it to, why me, God? Let's talk about this. Explain that to me. I love that. Two words in the difference in the way you say it. Well, there's, there's there are a lot of ways to take that. And I think some, you know, parables seem to be an effective way to storytell. So I'll go back to a parable in my life. And uh, it was the day before I'm going back to school. So I've been out now for 15 months and I'm coming back in into this class. 
struggling, man. I'm in a wheelchair. My fingers haven't yet grown back. Apparently they never will. I'm scarred from my neck to my toes. I wonder if I'm going to fit in and I'm wondering why this thing has happened to me. So I'm looking at my dad for a little bit of wisdom around this. And I keep saying, Hey dad, why me? Why me? And my dad is a prince of a guy, just an awesome leader. But he'd had enough that night, Don. So eventually he stands up. He walks out of the bedroom where I'd been asking the question, why me? Like, Why did this terrible thing happen to me? He shuts the bedroom door. But tragically, he's on the inside of the bedroom. So now I'm stuck with my dad. You know, now he walks back over to me, kneels in front of me. He puts his hands on my thighs, looks me square in the eyes and says, John, darn it. Why not you? Why not you? This terrible thing has happened in your life. And if you want to be a victim to it for the rest of your life, nobody's going to blame you. You've been through the worst and you survived. And if you want to be a victim to it, have at it. And he paused and said, or, or you can allow this thing to be used for good. You can allow this thing to be a moment of grace, not only in your life, but for others. And then every room we roll you into or every room eventually you walk into, people will look up in awe at what you've endured and what you've become. And then he said, John, victim or victor? Why me? Your choice. That your little, he called it an inflection point. I like that term, obviously. You, you know that about me. This inflection point was something that he put in front of me as a 10-year-old boy begging the answer to the question, why me, getting ready to go back to school. And it's one on our good days and our bad days we continually ask. But the, the mindset with which we ask this, the heart with which we ask this, the faith that which we ask this question, why me, influences not only how we ask it, because it's the same question, but how we answer it, how we step into the day, the words we speak, the actions we take, the impact we have, the life that we lead, it's a really big deal. So for those of you today asking the question, why me with your arms crossed looking down? Me too. But, but my encouragement on this side of the experience is to continually ask that question, but choose to ask it as a victor with a little bit of, of faithfulness that God is still in the middle of this thing. Amen. And the, the inflection point and how we respond to it sets the trajectory and I hear that because my first, when I was asked not to, to no longer be in broadcast news, again, it pales in comparison to your inflection point, but it was. Well, I'm, I'm just going to stop. Like, I don't think so. I, I think the, the mistake we make is to think that losing a child at 15 is worse than in utero or worse than being a single mom and not ever having the ability to have a child or worse. The abuse I face as a child is worse than cancer diagnosis or like, that's the mistake of life is to compare my struggle against yours, my cross against yours. The reality is we've all got something and we've all got a mighty God who's working through it. So whether it's the loss of a career aspiration or the loss of, of fingers at nine, both are agonizing and both have moments of grace for those of us who pay attention to it closely. I needed to hear that. And I can only imagine how many people listening are fed by those words as well. Tell me about that. Then you know what? As long as you are eyes up, rise up, and you're looking to God to use your story for his glory, that is an excellent story. Tell me about your, your take on comparing. Hmm. Well, I have a lot of takes on comparing. I think we're, we're most of us very guilty of it. 
And I think social media is a wonderful way to continually measure how we're doing against everybody else, which is incredibly destructive. So I, I would recommend this rather than comparing yourself to your neighbor, compare yourself to who you were and who God is calling you to become next. That's the only, only comparison that matters. Every other bit of comparison, our vacation versus theirs, our house versus theirs, our children versus theirs, my beauty in the reflection of the mirror physically versus theirs, all this bonkers stuff that the majority of the world is focused on. It is unhealthy. It is unhelpful. And it's ultimately a cancerous thing, not only societally, but individually. The, all of our work in my mind is God, God led. It's God inspired. And so, uh, although I don't remember writing that, I'm glad he did. Uh, one of my favorite things, and I'll, I'll wrap the answer to your question with this. I was in Nashville signing books, just was on a on an interview by Dave Ramsey. So Dave has a big, big, big radio signal afterwards, go across the street to the Barnes and Noble, sign some books. And uh, there's a long line. Thank you, Dave Ramsey for that. One of the guys in the line comes up to me and he says, John, do you remember me? I'm like, Hey brother, what, what's your name? He said, Mr. Kirkland, I'm like, Mr. English class. He was my junior year English teacher at, in high school. And he would have seen a kid who had very little confidence in himself as a guy, as a man, as a student in life. I struggled academically. I certainly struggled in English and this teacher believed in me. So when I talk about comparing yourselves and having people believe in you, the miracle of your life, the cool thing about Paul is he was persecuting Christians before he became one. The cool thing about O'Leary and I'm not on the same level. The cool thing about O'Leary is he struggled in every single aspect of life until God, until he said yes to being used for good. And, and then slowly and fault, awkwardly and failure after failure, I'm in a Barnes and Noble in Nashville, Tennessee, signing a national best-selling book. And an English teacher who believed in me back in the early days is in line to get his copy. So that this is how I think God uses people. Even when we don't see how it's happening this side of eternity, we are being used for good, but we've got to say yes. That's it. How many times can I say uh, amen? I was about to say amen. That was, that was your moment in which you realize that he does, in fact, work all things for good. We don't have to understand it. If you're listening right now, we don't have to understand it this side of heaven. That's the beautiful part of being able to say uh you and I, God, take the hand of God. At the time where I was going through chaplaincy school at age 26, I had never told anybody how I was burnt. I'd never acknowledged the fact that my hands were different than everybody else's. I'd never acknowledged the scars from the past and the ones that I still face in the present and the challenges that I have in the future. What I did instead is I put on this big old mask and I pretended like I was everybody else. Ordinary, unburned, unscarred unchallenged by past experiences. And the more boldly that I've been able to wear that, not the mask, but like the truth. Yeah. What I found is the more beautifully people connect with me. And it's weird. It sounds like bragging. It's not, it's the exact opposite. I'm so broken and so fragile and so uh, ordinary that now people are like, wow, that's a guy like us. That's someone we can tune into. That's a guy we can trust and be real with. So whether I'm in a room of executives leading big businesses, yesterday I spoke in Montgomery, Alabama to a bunch of general managers from McDonald's. The week before, a group of 
army leaders at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the day before that up in Minnesota to funeral directors, the day before that to high school kids, freshmen through senior year. But in my brokenness, they realized there's a person up there in front of them who is not saying people be like me, but instead saying people, let God use you as you are. And when you do that, watch what happens. So yeah, set the mask down and watch how you can be used for good. And it's real and it's raw and it's genuine. It's authentic. It's vulnerable. It's all the things that are lacking in common media. Yeah. Yeah. And I, love so much. I won't even go down the path because then your listeners on one side of the aisle or the other will be deeply offended, but just recognize friends. They are there explicitly to sell you detergent and cars and pillows that they, they do not exist to tell you what's really happening in the world. You need to be aware of this. It's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And the more they stoke the bear and kindle those flames and make you mad and make you hate your neighbor, the more they get you to hate your neighbor, the more you will tune in tomorrow night to see why there should be more hate in your heart. Turn it off. It is utterly destructive. It is cancerous and it will destroy you and our nation. That's the fact. So yeah. there's your uh, plug for Fox. <laughs> and MSNBC today. There's the plug. Yes, equal across the board, leaving no one out. I want to go back to this family right now that your dad, Denny, um, now has advanced Parkinson's. I want you to tell us about that through the brokenness of physically being broken, how he continues to be this megaphone for God. Well, I mean, you read the book and so you've probably bumped into that chapter that I wrote about my dad's heart around gratitude and what he's thankful for that conversation we had. And I'll quickly walk your listeners through it. It happened about eight years ago and his life has gotten far harder since then, far harder. My dad today is almost nonverbal. He's struggling, swallowing. He's in a wheelchair permanently. He's in physical pain. He struggles financially. And I was with him Saturday and Sunday, and he's the most joyful peace-filled, contented guy, faithful steward that I've ever met. So he has every reason in the world to be vengeful and spiteful and wonder, you know, why me? And instead he has the exact opposite heart for his life. And so uh, years ago, I asked my dad why he doesn't complain more. You know, dad, everybody else does. It trends on social media. The more Biden complains about Trump or Trump complains about Biden, the more they get followers and likes. Dad, why don't you complain more about how miserable your life is? Yeah. And his response was, why would I when my life is so good? So I asked him to give me three things he's grateful for, and I won't walk you through the whole story. You can read the book on fire. Pick it up your, at your local library or bookstore, my friends. <laughs> but my dad went on to give me a list, not of three things he's grateful for, for Parkinson's disease, but more than a dozen things that he's grateful for as a result of this disease that has robbed him of the goodness of his life. But in robbing him of that, it has actually opened him up to the best of his life. And in doing that, not only has it changed his life, but it's changed mine. It's changed our families. It's changed our children's children. Like this generationally, this cross that he carries has had a profoundly positive experience in the rest of our lives. Hard on my dad, but changing the world one life at a time for good. It's his story for your dad's story, for his glory. And here we are back at gratitude. Look, we're going to wrap this up. I want to be respectful of your time, but how do you want to be remembered, John O'Leary? Yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's not as a motivational speaker. It's why I actually liked your uh, job title, Good Dude. My favorite job title is actually Patrick's dad. 
Jack's dad, Grace's dad, Henry's dad, Beth's husband, Susan and Denny's son. I love like job titles like that. But uh, job titles like that probably will end up on my gravestone. So even above that, to seek justice, lock, love mercy, walk humbly with God. That's what I try to say yes to every day. And it's led to some cool things in my family. It's led to some beautiful things organizationally. But more than that, it's led to a pretty contented heart when I come home. And uh, that's what I'm striving for. And it shows. And, and the vulnerability you show is so admirable. You said you would do this interview in complete humility for somebody named Don who's trying so hard to tell stories for his glory. The reality is you can leave a podcast like this inspired by how terrific John O'Leary's story is and think, wow, what, how fun to have a guy like this alive and well and moving around. Good for him. I'm really glad for that guy. That's not why I said yes to Don. And I, I did not say yes, even from a place of humility. I said yes, because I thought maybe one listener would be listening to this today in need of a clear next step in their life and maybe needing, needing to have their own bucket filled up a little bit and needing to be reminded that God is still at work in their lives. So for that one listener, and I think you're looking at her, I think he's seated next to you. So it's you. Uh, be encouraged and be uplifted and be inspired by how God can use you for good. Be encouraged how God is still at work in your life and be aware that the foundation truly is firm. That the headwind may be real, but the best is yet to come for you. So uh, keep saying yes and then watch what he does in your life. Thank you, my friend. Just thank you and God bless you. Thank you, Don. Okay, bye now. has been a grassroots good stuff family production big love and gratitude to our friend carlos jones who is the talented voice and creator behind this music that sets the tone for these good stuff stories huge gratitude and love as well for our social media director she is danielle folk and is consistently going above and beyond follow her at farmhouse storyteller and to the producer my travi the glue that holds together the moving parts of this God-inspired endeavor. TheGoodStuffFamily.com is where you'll find links for all the things we're doing, including how to be a sponsor of a story. So grateful for our faithful sponsors who have already made so much of what we do possible. And of course, big love and gratitude for you, the listeners, helping to grow this Good Stuff Family Tree 2023. Welcome to the family.